0: Welcome, everybody, to Journey Through Death, where we take a deep dive and a historical look at the deathmatch tournaments that paved the way to the hybrid deathmatch wrestling we see today. Very special treat joining us. One of the inventors of the deathmatch tournament in the U.S. and really helped go from the hack and slash to kind of the, the the man, that was bad, he kind of helped go to the tournament style that we see today with lots of good workers coming in and actual wrestlers coming in and sort of guys who are going to come in there, I believe, Parman. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? Oh fantastic, fantastic
1: guys. And then my partner Mike is also with us. Mike, can you hey. hear me still? I'm still here. Uh you know, Carmen, I just want to talk about a little bit, little beginning. Uh you you really you, you know, MAW started in ninety three, essentially booking a lot of the ex AWA guys. Which I you That's know That's right. It was very interesting, you know. You had Baron von Rasky on your card and the Texas hangman and uh you know you brought it. I
2: brought the I brought the Crusher out of retirement. Um, you know, after um ten year hiatus, he, he didn't do any any appearances or anything. And uh I got him to appear. That was uh ninety uh that, that was nineteen ninety four. Nineteen ninety four. Um, yeah. And the Baron also, um you know, he was a really good draw for me. Yeah. At the time. <laughs> and I did something at the time that nobody else did in Milwaukee. I, I made a TV commercial and bought time on raw, uh, to advertise, you know, and, um, centered it around just one name, the Baron. And in 1993, three, it drew the biggest crowd for independent at the time. We had 700 people. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah. And that was kind of, it's kind of like been my formula with the, uh, in names. You know, um, back in the day, it was just to bring in one name um, as the as the as the draw, um, and just do it occasionally. You know, don't do it every show. You know, use the psychology not to give the people too much. You know. <laughs> yeah, you know, you got we brought in guys like Ad- always get them wanting more. <laughs> you brought in guys like Andrew's butcher and uh, yeah, Bastion Booger, Mad Dog Bashan, first yeah. appearance that he ever did at an indie show. He did a couple in like Omaha. Like when I call him, you know, he didn't know like what to charge me. <laughs> I had, uh, I had Bobby Heenan for his first show outside of WCW. I had him on my, um, my 10th anniversary show in, uh, in um, Milwaukee. Um, Bam Bam Bigelow. I had Bigelow, yeah, I did. I had Bigelow, and um, what was cool about him is that I, I worked with him um, in Jersey when I was a uh, uh, just a young whippersnapper uh, <laughs> coming up in the business. You know, I started in Jersey, and I was a manager, and I worked with Bigelow. In fact, one time, I managed um, uh, Scotty against uh, Sarge, Sarge against Sergeant Slaughter. Um, <laughs> he worked as a heel in New Jersey, which is really funny.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, you know. But anyway, he was a great guy. Man, he was a great guy. So like, um, I got the opportunity to bring him in. I had I had the Iron Sheik once come in, and I put him as a as a guest referee for uh a match between two heel tag teams. Um the Spymaster and Colonel Blatnik against Frankie DeSumper DeFalco and JiggleBow Johnny Mercedes. So they were both heel teams. So I figured, well, what, you know, you yeah. have a heel referee then, right? So the greatest heel of all time, in my opinion. Energy, right? One of them, but oh, she got heat. Yeah. Now, I worked a lot with him.
1: Now, how did you transition over to doing the hardcore and deathmatch stuff?
2: Because obviously, originally, you kind of. That oh, that's easy. That's just such an easy answer. Ian Rotten. <laughs> Ian Rotten. That's the, that's the easiest. Yeah. Yeah, that's the answer right there. Ian fucking Rotten. It's funny. Okay, how so happened was, comes what happened was. What. What had had happened was, let's see, we're talking now 1998. Yeah, 1998. So my referee at the time, uh, Scott Demark. Uh, he uh, he did some independent shows in uh, Indiana, and uh, I think it Dave Prazak. And, um, you know, he recommends Ian to me. Now, I know Ian from back in my early days in in New Jersey with Brian Knighton. I knew Axel um, mm. pretty good. In fact, I managed him a couple times back in, like, um, 86, 87. I was just a, a senior in high school. Um, so anyway, I knew Ian, you know, as an East Coast guy and blah, blah, blah. I'm hearing about the stuff that he's doing, and I've always done stuff like I made the front page of the Milwaukee Sentinel with this um, barbed wire match that we did in 1990, um 93, 94, we did a barbed wire match, (laughs) and it made the front page of the newspaper because it was controversial because it was being held at a church. Oh, Oh, it's so cool. Like, it's like, I mean, mean, it was like cool, like in retrospect, but I mean, at the time, like super controversial, you know, Uh, church is supposed to be a a place of, of reconciliation, you know, quoting the priest and all. Like, it was some heavy shit. Um, but, but anyway, but I asked for it, you know, because when I did the posters on the posters, I put band on, uh, four continents and, you know, 32 states, you know, <laughs> the barbed wire death match, you know, I kind of brought it upon myself, but, <laughs> but I love doing that type of stuff. You know, um, and, and so I did sparingly. I'm never against. I mean, <laughs> getting color and doing all that stuff. I mean, I worked with Abby. um, You know, I've gotten got a lot of color in my in my in my days. Oh yeah, you and, and Mom um, had that one match, wasn't it? You and the Mauler, that bloody match. The Mahler? oh the Mauler, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i fucking stabbing him in the head. Yeah. You know. I told you I wanted the ring set up three hours earlier. You know? Yeah, you know, um, that,
1: that barbed wire match you had uh, was in the Christian Catholic Church Gymnasium, the Wave Riders against the Love Brothers.
2: There you go. That's it. That's exactly what I'm referring to. What was the year? 1994. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah. And that made the front page of the, of the, uh, of the Sentinel. It was, uh, it was on the news. I still have the news clip somewhere. Uh, it was pretty cool, you know, but of course, you know, I got thrown out of the church,
1: so I needed sure. to go
2: somewhere. So I ended up at the Knights of Columbus in West Dallas. Um, and fast forward to 1998, um, Scott, the Mark, my referee, meets Ian Rotten on a show in Indiana. Blah 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 blah. I talk to Ian. I invite him up um, to work on a show. You'll see. He bring one of his own guys. He brought Roland Hard. And at the time, I was it was declining. Like I wasn't. It was tough to draw. Hmm. Tough to draw. I kind of like brought everybody in that I could. You know, I had. I mean, I needed something really to really, really put it over. And I knew Ian, you know, I, I'm not against the, the, the violence. So I thought, okay, let's do this. Let's really bring some, bring them in and shock the people and uh, energize this little 75 person crowd and see what we can do, uh, you know, about building something. And um, so Ian destroys uh, Roland in the match you know, like, people never saw anything like it. I mean, shit, nobody saw anything like it. I mean, you know, he literally, like, like, you know, wrapped the, the back of the chair around Roland's head. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, like, we're not fucking around here. Like, Ian Broughton's chair shots are like, you know, I, I mean, they have to be equivalent of being in a car accident, right? I would say that guy does not pull any shots. It sure looks stiff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, it's like you see the, I'm so, it's really, Um. it can be really scary. I mean, there are guys that get hit. I mean, it's brain trauma, you know, right. your, your fucking brain is, is hitting against the fucking back of your skull. Right. And you see light. Oh. <laughs> you seem like You know That's one of the Stay away from the light Just remember <laughs> If you get hit in the head By fucking Ian Rotten Stay away from the light Well think um, one of the things That stands out From
0: watching these shows Um And then watching Some of the GCW shows And even the CZW. You know Obviously the 2008 2009 CZW Stuff's pretty nuts too But right. If you look at A, a more modern CZW, The boys are working Fairly safe Um
2: well, yeah, I am going to tell you why. Um, yeah, not. right, right. Did, you, did they, you don't think they're working safe in the in the early '90s?
0: That was well said. Uh, in your
2: shows, it the, didn't come across
0: as looking as safe. I'm sure they were taking care of each other, but it just and I do apologize for my voice. We had a rough night last night. Um, no, no, no. Um, it's just those shots are a lot harder. They're a lot stiffer. There's a lot more unprotected shots, and it just doesn't come across as safe. I'm not a worker. I've never taken a bomb, so I can't really speak to how safe it you're is. You're but. referring
2: to the early. So you would say, like, okay, so when you say early, what what year are you talking about? Like you, the 97 KOD. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, um, yeah. Um, this is what, you, what I came to completely realize right from the beginning is that you meet guys to use guys that know how to do the style properly. And with that, guys that know how to work, guys that really do know how to wrestle. I mean, that is absolutely necessary. You may not, you can have guys to do the deathmatch style that maybe aren't as athletic, but they need to have at least the fucking psychology of a wrestling match because the psychology, the basic psychology of a wrestling match does not change okay What's added is how to use the individual gimmicks that's the how and when so where to put your spots with the gimmicks that's what a fucking hardcore match is I I mean that's what it is Um, to build up to a certain point put things in in, in the the right spot just like a a high spot during a match you know Um, and there's certain guys that know how to do it well at the time and You know, um, Ian, Pondo, Corporal, Corporal was outstanding. I mean, I I heard, I heard Corporal and Ian on the outside of the ring, um, punching each other in the head, where you could hear the, you know, like, like you you punch the fucking side of beef, Right. right? You could hear it. It's like, you know, like like the, uh, fucking Ian, it's like he misses, the you know, baby whatever moves and, you know, he hits his head into the post. He doesn't put his hand up to block it. He fucking hits his fucking head into the post. I've seen him do it. <laughs> so, you know, I thought to myself, if you're going to do it, do it right, you know, and I can book these great guys to do it. And uh, it worked, it worked, it worked for a while. You know, it worked for a couple years, actually. I didn't go full-fledged hardcore deathmatch stuff right away, it was something that I built up to. Um, You know, I did it like, my first little hardcore cup I did, Um, after seeing what Ian did with the King of the Deathmatches and stuff, I said, I can do this. I said, but why do so much? I'll just do, I'll do, I think it was, um, four guys. Yep. Three matches, <laughs> yep. Right. And I think, uh, I don't remember who went over that, but I think, I think mean bitch page was in it. Maybe Pondo. I'm, I'm trying to think who exactly was in it. I'm sure you guys can help me with that, but, um, um, yeah, as it started small and I just did it like, a, as like an event, you know, and, um, you know, And then I did some shows where it was just more heavily themed, like when I, when I ran the rave, I thought, well, look, I mean, this type of building, I have to do something that's fucking gritty and hardcore. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the idea, you know, <laughs> you know I'm not going to, so, um, and I also tried to mix it, you know. Um, even when I did like a death match, um, you know, I brought in Mad Dog Rashawn to do autographs. You know? oh, yeah. uh, So, uh, Mad Dog, so funny. Mad Dog shows up at my show, and and whatever there's death match going on of some kind, you know. He says, and he says he says uh, he's looking at the lineup, and he says, Carmine, you are the gimmick promoter. That's what he called me. Really good. That's a really good impression. Thank you. Well, I knew him very well. So yeah. And uh, and we uh, he called me the gimmick promoter up to the day he died. He referred to me as like uh, you know Steve. tell me about the gimmick promoter. What is his name? Carmine. You know, like Please. like he remembered me as the gimmick promoter like forever. Like you know. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Um, <laughs> Your first anyway. Your first hardcore Bobby?
1: couple What's that? I so see your first hardcore cup was Ian, Hardcore Craig, Corp, and Mitch Page.
2: Ah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Craig too. Craig was a guy that wanted to do this wanted to do the style and he was doing crazy stuff already and, and stuff like that. Um and he really wanted to do I changed his name from Wave Rider Craig to Hardcore Craig. Um, but anyway back to So Mad Dog calls me the gimmick promoter. And I booked Bobby Heen for the first time. You know, it's like I said, first time outside WCW. Bobby shows up at the building and he says, You must be the gimmick promoter <laughs> <laughs> because he spoke to Mad dogs, Right. Right. <laughs> no did So anyway. Well,
0: that probably really helped you in in an area where AWA had been running not that long before, and Vern and Greg didn't do really any gimmicks, it was much more straight up wrestling. It probably helped you kind of stand out to a crowd that had been burnt and seen all their idols leave, right?
2: Um well uh, not really, not uh, you know, not not really, so to speak. It was just that to make independent wrestling fun, mm. you know, and like and that that was the idea. <clears throat> Gimmicks, you know, like as long as you can explain it to the people and get them like you know, to, to, to to pique their interest, they'll come back to the next show. Like I did, I mean, I did like fun stuff. I did stupid stuff. Uh, I mean, we did the tables matches, you know, we did all that type of stuff we did. I mean, I did like a match where where it was a, um, Oh, I don't know what I called it now. It was a beer chugging match. So in other words, okay. So we got a patch in the ring and then 20 feet away, there's a table set up with a bartender. (laughs) <laughs> serving beers. The idea so the, so the idea becomes and one of the guy's names is Barfly Mike. So Barfly Mike of course, any advantage that he gets he wants to go to the outside of the ring and get a beer. Right. <laughs> what happens essentially is that the heel allows Barfly Mike to just drink too much and fucking pass out and lose the match. But this <laughs> is, you know, of course they did a spot to the table that's filled with beer. I mean, like this, like the you know, the type of WCW type of hardcore sure. type of stuff. You know, right. like I did that type of stuff. But then I, you know, uh, I mean, I did um, uh, Ian Rotten against um, uh, Madman Pondo, barbed wire match, Wilson Park outdoor match with Sherry Martel sherry, you know she uh she got color for me off the barbed wire when I threw her into it um, she was unbelievable to work with um but I did it and and it's and for for a while, I tried to do it sporadically, you know mm-hmm. um. Um, and like I said, what level of gimmick match, you know, what level of uh not necessarily the hardcore death and match. That type of stuff I did really solely for like the hardcore cups. Um, you know, like with Ian, I had to scale back. I mean I just couldn't I I didn't want to do that on every single show and on top of it I I was sick of losing buildings. So (laughs) So did Ian. Did Ian help you book the Hardcore Cups at all? No, I booked them on my own. Oh, okay. I always did, I, I always did all my own booking. Um, he definitely recommended guys to me.
1: Okay. Now, in 2001, uh, the only year you ran two nights in a row, uh, most of your Hardcore Cups were one night. Um, what was your reasoning to run two nights?
2: Um, well... Cause I already had, I wanted to, it kind of cuts down on costs, so to speak too. If you have guys in for two days, it makes it more of an event that people come to, you know, I was kind of stealing the idea from Ian's um, two day type of uh, things he was doing. Right. And um, um, yeah, and and it it, essentially, that's, that's the reason Um, um, just to make more money. (laughs) <laughs> have a longer tournament, you know, and you can sell a two-disc set now or a three-disc set, you know, as opposed right. to one. Now, uh, speaking
1: of that tournament, b- before I turn over to Max, that's a, a couple quick questions. Um, that's the only Deathmatch tournament that the original Leatherface, uh, who was Corporal Kirshner, ever wrestled in. How did you end up getting him in your tournament, and how was it to have him come in?
2: Well, it wasn't Corporal Kirshner. Oh, was it? It was Harley Lewis. Oh, wow. Okay, my mistake. It was Harley Lewis of the Misfits from Philly. That's who that was. That was Harley Lewis. Okay, I've I've mislisted that. I know who Harley Lewis is. He was, he was with Angel Amoroso at the time. Okay. Who worked Pondo and just. uh, Oh my god! And I didn't want to book the match, but like she insisted. She says, "No, no, have me work Pondo. Your, your, you know, your your fans are gonna fucking love it." Oh my god! <laughs> it was unreal. It's out there somewhere.
1: Yeah, a lot of your. I've, I've got a bunch of your stuff on VHS. I got a bunch of it. Right. W. Now. That tournament, too, your uh, first time you brought in uh, Necro Butcher and, and Nick Mondo and you powered him up. Do uh, you memories of that? Um,
2: I had, um, right, Corporal and, uh, and and Nick Mondo. Uh, no, you had Necro and Nick Mondo. Oh, Necro and Nick Mondo. Okay, yeah, I also had, I also had Corporal and Nick Mondo. Uh, Nick, I mean, he worked for me a couple times. Um, he, uh, this is before he moved to Japan and he was living in, uh, Minnesota and, um, it was just kind of difficult to get him on a regular basis. Right. Um, I really liked his work. Um, different, a different kind of guy, you know, very intelligent, you know, uh, intellectual, uh, you know, you, you could say, you know, um, Yeah, it was fun to bring him in. And Corporal, you know, very underestimated in so many ways. um, um, Underrated, I guess. Yeah, I mean, as a a worker, you know. Um, Corporal is, you know, reminds me of an old school Tennessee worker, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Great psychology, you know. Um, I mean, he can make everything fucking... um, Look um, as as real as as a son of a bitch. Like he has that old school way of throwing a punch and selling and so on. And there was just so much, there was a lot I could do with him. I could have him go out there and have a straight match with Adam Pierce, you know. I could have him go have a hardcore match with uh, hardcore Craig. Corporal was a, a real uh, asset, you know. Definitely. we can
1: tell he, he trained with Tracy's mother, so there's definitely a lineage of that old-school men. Right. We're interviewing Corp this afternoon about the show, too, so... Oh, outstanding. I've interviewed Steve quite a few times, so a good friend of the show, so he's coming on this afternoon. He'll be
2: he'll, he'll be he'll be happy that I that I put him over.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now what was that you never used Harley as Leatherface before? What was the purpose of putting him in as Leatherface instead of just
2: Harley Lewis? I love the gimmick. Okay. I love the leatherface gimmick. I love it. I love the idea of the of, uh, the fucking, the smoking, you gotta have the smoking chainsaw, you know, you mm. gotta add some oil, some, to, uh, too much, a little bit more oil to that, uh, chainsaw to generate that smoke. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's just a great attraction, you know? Well, that,
1: was uh, that was a very visual gimmick.
2: No. Right. That good. right. I like that. It was something really different. You know, something really different. God knows Harley Lewis can fucking pull it off, you know. Definitely. You know, so what did you have
3: next?
0: So my first question was when you, when you decided to do these tournaments, um, what were the big hurdles when the things getting in your way in the state of Minnesota or um, the state of um, Minnesota? Jesus. Wisconsin. Wow, the state of Wisconsin. Wisconsin.
2: Did they fight right. you? Did, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here's the big problem, the big problem that I had. Um, one, you know, I got thrown out of the church. So then uh, so then I moved to the Knights of Columbus. Um, and, you know, I kept it kind of clean, you know, until Ian came in in 98. And then, um, you know, I didn't do the hardcore tournaments. I did at, uh, I mean, I did a couple, the small ones at, The hardcore cups. I think the first year I did um, at the Knights of Columbus, but outside of that, I did them at the rave at the Eagles Ballroom, Um, um, and um, I I didn't do the style on a regular basis at Knights Columbus. I was trying to be careful, okay? Right. Right. Then the Sunday edition. We get coverage from the Sunday edition of the fucking Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And here on the front page, the front of the Sunday paper, mind you, the wholesome fucking newspaper, there's a picture of a shirtless, bloody Ian Rotten bent over to the chair, with a picture of a crucifix over his left shoulder. Perfect. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Okay? So then this (laughs) goes... So, yeah. So, you know, and then, you know, Knights of Columbus, Catholic Institution, blah, blah, blah. You know. No. This ain't happening. He gave us Mm -hmm. a black eye. You're out. So then I had to run other places. You know, I jumped around from place to place. Um, 2000. Oh boy, I'm gonna say what, what was that? It would be 2000 maybe and two. Um, CM, the CM Punk um, Cocabana Cabana thing. You know, I was I've gotten away from the hardcore stuff. You know, for mm. you know um, because it was just so difficult. Um, um, to do I was getting tired of being thrown out of building right <laughs> no, because then it happened again that I ended up getting a little bar and we did some you know some stuff some thumbtacks some this and that and um, well we got shut down the city the city shut that down you know um, Kelly's Bleachers yeah it was just it was just a mess Kelly's Bleachers was the one where I kept it clean and I didn't do really any deathmatch type of stuff, you know, nothing nothing too outrageous, you know. Right. Um, you know, that's when I had Punk and Cabana and Pierce was was coming up was was still there and so on. Um and the Skull Crusher. Um McKen and Anderson. Um yeah, a young a young Devari. A young nineteen year old Sean Devari. Um anyway. So, uh, but I still had Ian, you know. Ian against the fu- against this dysfunction was really hot there, you know. Um, I made it a blood, uh, you know, a, a, a bloodbath, but old school style, you know. Mm-hmm. Not overdoing it. Not not you know just kind of you know keeping it old school. Cool. Um, so, yeah. I did and and like I said and I and I did the what my last what year was my last um hardcore cup? 2003. 2003. See, I ran another 4 years after that. Right. But I didn't do another hardcore cup because I I didn't really have a venue number one to do it at. It was the biggest the biggest issue, where would I do it? <laughs> you know. Sure. Um now Unfortunately, uh, um, dysfunction. Uh, Kurt up in um, Milwaukee. He's got a great little venue that he's uh, yeah. that he's running. Have you seen Have you seen shows from there? Oh yeah, I, I'm actually. We've inter-
0: in the land area, so I know that, that area pretty well. I'm over here in the Strouds suburbs as well. So. I've,
1: I've interviewed Kurt a bunch of times, and me and him actually chat all the time online too. So he's uh, posting yeah. some of his matches live on our web page. So, yep, he's doing well, really good. I'm, business.
2: I'm very proud of him. I'm very, very proud of him. Um, you know, he's he's a good friend. I mean, I mean, I I consider him family. You know, and uh, I only wish him the best. I'm happy that he has a place that he can run and do his thing at, and he's doing it well. I mean, he's doing it really, really well. He is, and um, and the shows are really good. I mean, it's just a tiny little venue, but that, that's um, you know, I guess that, that's one of the gimmicks about it—that it is such mm-hmm. a small venue. <laughs> that's one of the best <laughs> gimmicks about it, I think. I, I think Right, is really part
0: of what plays is the psychology of the fans coming in. Right. Oh.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's very different. Yeah. You feel like you're the part perspective of, the show. of it. Right. The perspective of it is is really is really u- unique. Yeah. 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 So take it.
0: So we're going back to two thousand one. You're sitting down to book this show. Walk us kind of through your mindset. How
2: how are you setting it up? What are you thinking? You know. I know. Okay. I think I. What did I? I uh, was it, um, piano, um against. Uh, Pondo, Craig against Mitch. Well, what were the my opening? Refresh my memory. you opening. I'm not sitting at a computer.
1: I am. Your opening matches. You had eight. It was Mitch against Skullcrusher, Pondo against Mark Wolf, uh, Dino Bambino and Colt Cabana, uh, Leatherface and uh, Peter B. Beautiful, Corp and Dysfunction, uh, Two Tough Tony, Alistair Fear, Mondo and Necro Butcher, and then uh, Ian and Roland Hard. With your first round
2: matches. Aha, uh-huh. aha, uh-huh. okay. Boy, it's been some time since I've seen it. It's been some time since I've seen it. Ian helped me with that. Um, I, I, I remember um, uh, booking it a bit. Um, see, the different individual gimmicks were very uh, um, interesting. Um, uh, do you uh, do you show which um, because for each match? I would have a different type yep. of gimmick. Yep. But, yeah. A, what do you what, what do you what do you show in that respect? I, uh, okay, I'll run through them real quick. Barbed
1: wire chain match, kendo stick, lumberjack strap, tables and chairs, cactus, thumbtack death, bed of nails, staple gun. And the main event of the first night was uh, Ian and Roland Hard and a barbed wire board pillar of salt. Those were the gimmicks
2: for the first round. Right, excellent. You know, and and I, you know, I put a lot of thought into those, and how um, you know how they should be done, and and kind of created my own stipulations. And something that was born out of one of the um, um, hardcore cups with uh, Necro Butcher was um, I said, let's do a staple gun match. I said, but we need a we need a, a stipulation for it because at the time the the guys, him and Ian, were using dollar bills, they're taking dollar bills from the fans and stapling them to each other's heads. (laughs) I said, why don't we make make actually a stipulation whoever reaches, you know, gets the most dollar bills uh, stapled to them, I mean, loses. You know, and so if you get (laughs) so we call it a lucky 13 staple gun match. And that caught on
1: up until today, you still see that and places.
2: Uh, that's what I yeah, that's that's exactly what I I mean it was they did it um they did it on the uh on the Emmys. <laughs> when they when they publicized um the movie the the wrestler. Yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. So um anyway. So there you go. There's my my big contribution to Death Mets wrestling. Nice. Yeah,
0: I mean, I uh, <laughs> honestly, um, and this isn't blowing sunshine up your ass or anything, but I truly believe that without your tournaments, we don't see it move from uh, to the more hybrid style and the guys being more willing to, to do the stipulations in every match. That wasn't stuff guys are doing. You had a lot more psychology going the matches and stuff.
2: Right. And in the one year I did, um, every match I, I started, uh, the, every match on the card was a no rope barbed wire match. Mm -hmm. I did that as well. So I set it up early you know um, as opposed to you know um, um, doing it the other way around to save time because it just becomes oh it becomes terrible and then it's a certain way to do it you know that you want to do it for the guy's safety and then you see and then it's not done right. I mean a lot of times I've had this stuff redone Um, You know, something that I learned from Ian Rotten was the ways to do certain things. You know, I brought him to Germany in 1998. He wrestled wrestled, uh, Cannonball Grizzly, TN News, um, Wolf Herman, Michael Kovach. Uh, He wrestled a young Bambi killer who became the biggest star in fucking Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, I brought Ian over there. I spent a lot of time with him him and knew him good and, you know, a lot of certain tricks, you know, like the proper way to wrap a barbed wire baseball bat. And there's a way to do it. It's not, you know I see it done, you know, ninety percent of the time it's not done properly. When guys when you when they attach like barbed wire to a table, you know, um, they're doing it wrong. I see a lot of times it's done wrong, like somebody's gonna get really fucked up here. You know, like there's certain ways there's a certain way To 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 use gimmicks to make gimmicks and so on, and that's and that's really you know there's there's an art form to it, you know it's like you know Abdul the butcher wrapping a a fork, you know I mean there's a there's an art to the whole thing, you know sure Um, um that's something that you know I believed in using. Um, when, I, when I was going to do death matches, I was going to use the best guys I possibly could. And, um, you know, because I saw so much bad death match shit. Yeah. Like, bad. The kids that didn't know how to work, they're just hitting each other with light bulbs, and they just don't know what they're doing, and they, like, just, you know, like, just sloppy, like, you know. I mean, I saw, see, I saw it consistently at that time. I said, well, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm gonna make it really good. You know, and yeah, that probably cost you a lot impressive. more money because you you could have booked Backyard Kids and you right. know and two well, or three. Well, there's guys I wouldn't use. Money. Right, and there's also guys I wouldn't use. And there's guys that Ian that Ian used, for example, that did this stuff, and but this guy doesn't like them. Um, I didn't use everybody that worked for IWA, um, you know, um, but I did use a lot of great guys. Um, mm-hmm. You know. Um, um, So, back to what I was saying about the uh, uh, deathmatch tournaments. The one with um, Ian Rotten, Corporal Robinson, it ends up where it's a a barefoot thumbtack match.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: I'm very proud of that. (laughs) Yep, that uh, that was that was a good match. Yeah, yeah. I'm proud of that because I'm proud about how we led up to the match and told a great story during the tournament. I love booking tournaments just in general, because you can tell such a great story during,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and you can build great baby faces and you can build great heat. Um, you know, if if you know how to book, you can tell a great story. Um, and you have to have a great cast in order to work with, to, to do that. Um, and, um, But that's how I kind of approached, I mean, any card of any significance that I, that I put together, you know? Um, and the death matches, uh, the one with, um, Ian and corporal, how, you know, I had animosity against both of them because they were both baby faces and I fucking hated the both of them. And I was the, you know, I was Carmine the Spirito. uh, this was my show. And I'm going to call the stipulations for this match. This match is going to be a no-rope barbed wire match. A no-rope barbed wire thumbtack match. A no-rope barbed wire thumbtack match light tube match. And then a no-rope barefoot thumbtack light tube match. And that was... (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I love that I love that's, yeah. that's one of the great things that when it comes to a lot of the uh, with the death matches that I booked that I really enjoyed doing um uh and these crazy guys went went out there and did it um and i'm I'm proud that I paid them well I mean I paid them well um yeah, but it really is unreal um but you know again, not just anybody could do that. They know how to do it without, you know, crippling themselves. Sure. You mm-hmm. know, without without, you know, um, really naming themselves. And there's such an art form to it, and at the same time tell a story. At the same time tell a story. You know. But I, I know your time is short, so I have two more questions for you, and then we'll we'll
0: let you roll. Okay. Um, is there a spot throughout the whole time of doing these tournaments that sticks out in your brain? Is Man, we had the crown eaten out of our hand, or holy shit, I can't believe the boys did that.
2: Right. Oh, I can't believe, like, something that we did that really stands out. Yeah. That's what you're asking me? Oh, yes, my God. True. Oh, yeah. Well, with um, um Batman Pondo at the rave, jumping off the, uh, jumping off the balcony on the corporal. Corporal's on a table and uh, Pondo climbs up and jumps off the balcony um, um, later DCW um, ran and they did a spot with New Jack um, at the rave at the, at the, in the same building another room but the same building where he jumped off a balcony but it definitely wasn't as high as, as Pondo was mm-hmm. I mean Pondo was legit like 18 feet it's like 18 feet, uh, misses, uh, misses corporal rolls off and the drama of them just being dead and then working up enough to corporal, to drag Pondo to the ring, oh, it was so dramatic. Yeah. And they get to the ring and Corporal slowly crawls and covers them, and it's one, two, kick out. Oh my God, the fucking place erupted, erupted. Now that's psychology, Mm -hmm. you know, of how to get to that point to do that, to excite those people. Corporal Robinson and Madman Pondo are great workers, you know. Great yeah. workers, and that's what's and that's what I always felt was important. Booking death matches.
3: That's really
2: Okay, and then the last thing I
0: had for you—that's awesome. Sorry, I, I kind of what I, I thought you might go with. Uh, <laughs> is there anybody that sticks out in your brain that, if you uh, if you had the chance, you'd never work with them again throughout this stuff? There's just uh, one guy that was a thorn in your side the whole time. Mm-hmm. One guy that was a thorn in my side. Yeah. Like more than the the rest, you know what I'm saying. Like one guy that's just like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe we had to deal with that that guy."
2: <laughs> well, I mean, you you do business with people, and uh, you know, sometimes it's it's not com- completely you know wine and roses, and you know, um, sometimes personally you don't see eye to eye, you know, whatever. But in all honesty, uh, I've been in the business now for since I was, uh, 16 years old. So, uh, I've been in the business for, uh, uh, how many years now? 37 years I've been in the business. Yeah. Um, so, um, I, I believe in doing business with everybody. There You, go. you know, I-, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't look at it in that way. Okay. Um, you know. I don't know if and that's, that's the answer that you for wanted. Forever. I don't that's I don't know mind. if that's the answer that you wanted and if I even verbalized it the way that I really wanted to. Um no, but I sense. um you know, um you know, I'm an easygoing guy, you know. Sure. Um there's certain things if I have a if I have a uh, if it's about money, if you stole money from me, well that's a different story. And I'm not associating with you anymore and it's over. Mm-hmm. You know. That's certainly, it, yeah. That's happened in wrestling, with with me. Um, but it's 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 gonna. It happens with everybody because it's a business.
3: It's just a business. <laughs> <laughs> I a, a
0: little, Do you have anything coming up you want to fl- plug? We have a fairly good listener base, we'd love to plug
2: anything you got working.
1: I got one. Room. I'll tell
2: you what, Smart Mart Video has all of my uh, stuff online. Uh, anybody wants to go ahead and, uh, I mean, peruse the catalog there. There's some really good stuff on there. Mid-American wrestling, um, on smart mark video, the hardcore cups are on there. Um, and, uh, Mike Burns is, uh, just a great guy that I've been dealing with now for like 20 years. Um, and he's always treated me straight and, uh, he's done a, he's done a great deal for people in the business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But not, not enough is said about Mike Burns.
1: Oh yeah. But I, yeah. <laughs> I have a quick question actually. Before we go too quick, um, with the Smart Mark, have you ever thought of doing uh, like a best of the death matches in MAW, like the nine hardcore cup ones? Because I know people always ask about things like that. You know, like a best of MAW death matches, Volume
2: One or Volume Two. Oh, I see. You know, uh, you know what? Smart Mark Video could very easily edit something like that. Yeah, you know, people they could block. very easily put together something like that because they have uh, a majority of my footage. Right. Um, so, yeah, and they have all that hardcore stuff uh, with Ian and Corporal. The Ian and Corporal stuff, I mean, that's, that's priceless. I mean, I could probably do a... Mm-hmm. Uh, DVD, uh, just you know, a collection of the of those that's matches. A, yeah, that's the DVD set right there, right? Corporal and Ian, you know. No. Yeah, right. And and they, and they tell a story in every match. Is just not kids? You know, little. not this not skinny kids hitting each other with light tubes. Mm hmm. <laughs> right. Absolutely yeah you've got
1: some many yeah. amazing matches that weren't in the cups. I mean there's so many involving Pondo and Ian and Too tough Tony and Hardcore Craig. you know you had the one exploding
2: barbed wire match in you know, the deserts right match. right when the pods didn't go off yeah one of the pods didn't go off oh, that was scary. What was scary about it is that i i had this I had this great idea about doing this exploding barbed wire match, and then um well. I thought maybe it would sell some tickets, but it still didn't really sell any tickets. Like, it me, maybe there were 80 people there, maybe. I mean, maybe. And I had this great idea about doing this exploding barbed wire match. I understood how it was done and so on. And Ian helped me with that. And, um, well, it was kind of a windy day. <laughs> it blew the black powder out of one of the pods. <laughs> so yeah, the guys are waiting for it to go off, and it's just you know nothing's happening. I'm hitting the switch at the table, and just nothing's happening. Yeah, that was I don't know I don't know if you could sense that if you see the video of it. Yeah. If that's exactly what was going on. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard. We had we had complaints. We had we had complaints from neighbors. I mean, although we were out in the country, you know, it echoed. You know. I thought somebody was like, you know, for some sort of terror attack or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was great. It was great. Yeah. One of one of my proudest moments. Now before we wrap there, I just
1: had a, one last question about that tournament. Um you had Skull Crusher Roscoe Brown and then who really didn't do yeah. matches. You had Colt Cabana and you had for the first time Peter B. Beautiful. Um, how did you right. indict those three guys in? They really weren't, you know, well, well, the death
2: match, but the other two really didn't. What was the, uh, refresh me, uh, what was the gimmick of the Cocabana match? His uh, was tables and chairs, so I can understand that. And Mandino, okay, So it's not really, so it's a gimmick match, but it's not really hardcore, you see? Mm-hmm. And that was my idea, too. Why does every match, and it's the hardcore cup, it's not the death match cup, why does every match uh, have sure. to be just blood and gore? No, Mitch and you know, Skull. Thought, uh, right, you know. Mitch and Skull Cluster was a barbed wire match. Okay, and I and they worked an old school barbed wire match, old school one. You know, like they used the barbed wire in that way, like Tully and Dusty or Kevin Sullivan. You know, they used it in an old way. Uh, that was my that that that's it. That's my my booking philosophy. Sure. And how did you end up bringing in Peter? Be beautiful. Oh, he's just a piece of meat. He just wanted, he he insisted, he, he said he was a deathmatch wrestler, he said he wanted to do this and all this other shit. I've seen what he's done in the past and he just, you know, he didn't have the greatest reputation. No. You know, like he's just like, this guy Weird. is like untrained and he just wants to, well, you know what? I said. told him, I said, look Pete, you're gonna get your fucking ass beat. Like, these guys are just gonna, they're gonna fucking destroy you, man. Like, you know, I'm just telling you, like if that, if you wanna if you wanna be play that role and he did and he didn't complain, you know, but it was just like it's kinda of like it was masochistic, like I mean, you know <laughs> Corporal and Ian like fucking and then Craig oh my god. How why did he come but he kept coming back? you know he kept coming back well, yeah, there was a guy that 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 I used on the shows. He's come up from Chicago. His name was k m Ultra, and his, the gimmick here was you know he wanted to be on the shows, okay? but what am I going to do with him right? so he was essentially like he was like the crash test dummy, so on every show it was his gimmick that he gets you know like a chair wrapped around his head right. or something like that's you know that's your that's the reason why I'm paying for your bus ticket like that's i mean I don't have any other spot I don't know what to do with you right but he but he's more than willing to do it and and every show one time he got like a vacuum cleaner like he got hit in the head with a fucking vacuum cleaner that just like broke into like a million pieces like he just got cracked in the fucking skull but the people enjoyed it. You know, it was a it was a gimmick on every show that he did. They knew what was going to happen to him. <laughs>
1: right, yeah. Awesome, do
2: you have, have you have you have you have you ever seen that? You have to look him up. Oh, PM Ultra.
1: You know, I've got I've got so many of your shows. Yep. Yeah. Got, you,
2: you might want to interview him.
1: There you go. Someone I could reach out to. I'm always looking to do those. Right. Exactly. Uh, do you have any other plugs you
2: want to play? anything you got going on? Well, I, I primarily promote Lucha Libre now. Okay. That's fine. You can. I, I'm the U S agent for, uh, Blue Demon. Okay. And, uh, I book him for personal appearances and shows and so on. And yeah, looks like he's
1: going to be, uh, the main event of AAA this year too. Yep. Yeah, yeah,
2: there's things happening. There's just things happening with uh, with Blue, um, some big things, and I'm happy to be a part of it. And, um, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he's a great talent um, to deal with. And I've um, had a lot of great success in the past two years with him. i booked him a lot, personal appearances with uh, minor league sports teams, baseball, right. hockey, basketball. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, I think I've seen him his, at least advertised with several of the baseball team,
0: uh, minor league teams around here. Um,
2: yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah that was, that's all me. That's all me. Nice. And, um, yeah. So, um, yeah. And, hey, well, one thing about him is that it's been difficult to connect with the American audience. You know, like he doesn't understand. It's it difficult. Um, um, uh, why does, um, uh, Pentagon, For example, get the getting booked when they should be booking Demon or considering Blue, and one and I mean, do, do you you guys follow Lucha Libre? Do you have an answer to that? Uh, I, I, I do
1: follow Lucha Libre, and, and I think Pentagon really got noticed through his violence in Lucha Underground. And, and people right. are ignorant of the fact that Blue Demon is the son of the original Blue Demon, who had a huge program with Santo and had all these. Right, right. So, yeah, I'm a huge. Blue Demon had a 500 day reign as NWA champion. So right, right, I don't know, I don't know, I guess they they, they want the younger lucha lucha stars nowadays they're it's a getting, different fan
2: base it's a different not, fan base,
1: I think like Ray Bandito and Ray Horace, and you know the older right. other guys you know like the uh, Blue Demon, you know Dr Wagner jr the villanos, I guess they're kind of they're still huge in Mexico, and they still draw like insane you know when you look at the main events of most of the big cards it's generally like Altimo Guerrero or somebody mm-hmm. long I mean mil right. exactly arenas at almost eighty years old in mexico, so it's definitely right a- right okay you know what? He- exactly he's with japan so definitely is a yeah. different frame of thinking over here I think you know the Pentagon
2: you really got <laughs> noticed and uh- I'm just trying to think of different ways to promote blue, you know, so thank you I appreciate that i i i, I asked uh you know folks all the time you know well, sure i mean you're uh, he was he was given uh, yeah, he was given an award last year at the cauliflower alley um that was that was really a big thing i'm sure sure he probably better too where you have a a heavier uh you know
1: spanish uh speaking and older spanish folks like i'm sure he does better in california or even Portland, because right. there's big communities. I know they do well in Chicago, you know, in New York city, mm-hmm. you get a lot of the older Spanish folks that grew up watching him.
2: Right. Right. Well, the one thing is this, is that the mask is instantly recognizable and, yeah. you know, and, and then, like I said, I, um, I, I, I speak to people a lot about him to, to find out, you know, the, the fan base for him and so on. And, uh, You know, uh, when I see somebody, a Spanish-speaking person, I show them a picture. And uh, you know, nine times out of out of ten, they know exactly who it is. Sure. They know that it's Blue Demon, instantly recognizable not by his mask. No, it's, it's so I don't know. You're probably going to want to edit out all this uh, about us talking Uh-oh. about. Not at all. It's I could
1: uh, I could do a, an hour another hour of Lucha with you, but <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, just edit out. But uh, like I said, well, thank you for coming on. Um,
2: I hope I gave you what what you wanted. You, you did. Uh,
1: you know, maybe down the road, if you had time again, I'd love to. Have you come in and talk just just about MAW in general? You know, maybe sometime down the road we could set up a thing and just see how you brought it up and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I have all kinds of different uh, podcasts, uh, you know, whatnot. Uh, I'm always pumping things, you know. Feel free to, you know, send me your Lucha ads and things and I'll put them on my different pages. Because I have a page just dedicated 100% to Lucha Libre too. We have about 3,000 followers. Yep, Yeah, I don't just do death matches. I've got a a strong style page. I've got an old school wrestling page. I've got, yeah, I don't wrestling fan in general of everything.
2: I just signed um, the Cinco de Mayo uh, celebration in Norman, Oklahoma, with blue. Nice. Um, yeah, right on uh, May 5th. Yeah, that's just, send, me your, send me your posters and your things, and I'll put them yeah.
1: on my pages, because, uh, like I said, I'm a wrestling fan of all styles. This just happens to be one of the styles I'm talking about today at interviewing for.
2: I got you, man. I got you. Outstanding, bro. Great meeting you. Great <laughs> speaking to me. It's
1: so much a pleasure having you come on. Like I said, I've watched MAW for years. Huge, huge fan of what you're doing. You am a huge fan of Blue Demon Jr. too. So that's awesome.
2: Oh, Thanks a lot. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank, thank you for thank me. You very much. It was a pleasure All
1: right.
0: to you. Have
2: a Take nice care, time. guys. Be good. All right. Bye-bye. 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 bye-bye.
0: bye-bye. And another big thank you to Carl Ryan for coming on and talking to us. Some Great stories there. I got a feeling some of those are stories that he hasn't told in in years. Uh, Very interesting to see how the road has paved. Mike, what was your big takeaway from that?
1: You know, great promoter, smart guy, understands the business. Understands getting heat. Great old school promoter. You know, worked with a lot of old school guys coming up, even his time in New Jersey, you know, with the Bam Bam Bigelow, people like that, to his time working with the XAWA guys. Just a smart guy. Now he's working with Lucha. So he's a smart guy. He knows how to adapt to things and a really good booker. He was a great heel manager in Booker, too fantastic he would draw people just wanted to see him get his ass kicked so he he understands the business you know and he he loves it you could just tell from his happiness and stories I mean he's a guy who loves what he did and what he was doing yep well that's going to be all the time we've got
0: for today everybody thank you so much for listening stay tuned we've got more great interviews and we're going to break down the
1: card coming up yeah definitely we'll be talking to Corp Robinson soon and breaking down the card